You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Yesterday, a federal appeals court in Virginia threw out a permit for the Atlantic Coast Pipeline to cross two national forests, including the Appalachian Trail, and criticized the U.S. Forest Service for granting a permit. But on the same day, a federal appeals court in D.C. seemed poised to reject environmentalist arguments that the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission was wrong when it granted a permit for a gas pipeline expansion project in northeastern Pennsylvania. There's a lot of litigation across the country over pipelines with environmental trying a shotgun approach. Are they winning? Here to tell us is Brandon Barnes, Bloomberg Intelligence senior litigation analyst who knows all there is to know about pipeline litigation. So Brandon, tell us first about this shotgun approach and whether it's a deliberate strategy that environmentalists have agreed to. Well, I think if you take a look at how things have developed over the last two, three years in terms of the amount of litigation that's been filed and the various venues that it's being filed in, coupled with the nuanced approach to each one of these, these are highly technical arguments being filed by environmentalists. It, it seems obvious that there's a new scattershot approach. We're going to file a lawsuit in a number of different courts. We're going to use a number of different permits as our fodder, and we'll find a way to win. It certainly increased the chances that one of those grabs the attention of a court and they stop a pipeline or a project or something, and it, it's working, and so I think this is a case of success begetting success. Let's talk about where it worked first. So in the Atlantic Coast Pipeline, with that, the Fourth Circuit in Richmond criticized the Forest Service for abdicating its responsibility to preserve national forest resources. And they quoted Dr. Seuss in doing so. I like that. They said, the Forest Service is trusted to speak for the trees, for the trees have no tongues. So tell us what that was about. Well, this court has, on, an, on three separate occasions, come back at Atlantic Coast through the permitting of various federal agencies and stopped the project. And so this is just sort of the tail end of that process. Uh, this by itself isn't that material. We're only talking about 21 miles of pipeline. But if you couple that with the two other permits that span a larger amount of construction and other areas in West Virginia and Virginia and potentially North Carolina, this is a real problem for this project. It's really causing a lot of delays here. So are courts in certain states or federal courts in certain areas more inclined to side with environmentalists or is it just a case-by-case basis? You know, I would have said no. Uh, you know, I'm a lawyer. I believe in the sanctity of, of these courts and, and the judges. But the trend, at least from my perspective, is that this Fourth Circuit is certainly 
finding some common ground with the arguments that the environmentalists are putting forward. Uh, I don't think the D.C. Circuit necessarily has gone that far, uh, but they they definitely have had some decisions that are new and, and potentially open up new avenues for these opponents. So uh, is the recent D.C. case an anomaly then? I, I, I don't think so, only because that's just another facet of this sort of shotgun approach. Let's try and challenge, and, and you're talking about the Orion Project with right. Kinder Morgan, you know, relatively small, 137, $143 million project, but it's important for the expansion of that, that line and that system. That was another way of challenging the potential for that project to go through. That could, if it had been successful, or if it could be successful because it hasn't been decided, flow through to much bigger projects. So when you talk about the bigger picture, are environmentalists ahead or the builders? These days, the environmentalists are far ahead. The, in the last two years, the delays that have mounted on these projects is incredible. They're incredible. It's, if you look at the 2009 to 2013 period for pipeline projects, the average time for them to get a federal certification and then start building was under 400 days. It was, it was less than a year. But in the 2016 and 2017 period, that is jacked up over 600 days. And so you're talking about more than a half a year addition in a, a pretty short amount of time. And a lot of that's due to the regulatory pressures at the state level and in the courts. So how much money is that costing, if you know, generally? Well, it's, that's actually a, a difficult question to answer because a lot of these projects kind of once they're done, you don't really see the companies coming out and tell you what the cost was or, or the, it's an incremental change over time. But we took a look at a bunch of the bigger pipelines that recently have been changing their cost estimates because of these delays. And if you look at the average on a quarter by quarter basis, if they delay by a quarter, it's about $170 million. So is that stopping any new pipelines? Yes, yes. I think, and that's where we get into a little bit more of a, of a geographical situation. So New York has, in the last three years, done a very good job of stopping projects from being built. Look at Constitution Pipeline. Look at uh, Northern Access. They have found a lot of difficulty getting through. And some of these projects probably won't get built as, as a result. But uh, And that sort of started to extend to other states. You see that in New Jersey with Penn East and some of the other projects. Virginia's changed their permitting scheme midstream for a lot of these projects and adding delay after delay. And it's, it's sometimes it's death by a thousand cuts, and sometimes it's a complete stop. Are there states where it's easier, the permitting process is easier? Easier or at least more efficient. We know that looking at the process, so if we took a look at the time period after the federal government says, yes, it's okay, you can build, or yes, it's okay, you can do this project, and take that time to the end where they're allowed to start building, that's usually the most sensitive time period for the states to kind of intervene and, and use their permitting process to slow things down. That time period, if you're going through Ohio and Texas, is far shorter, less than 60 days typically on average, than if you're going through New York, which is more than 200 days. So the difference is, is substantial, and I think projects know that. If you look at where new projects are being proposed, there's only one project that's been proposed through New York since January of 2017. I'm interested in, in who's bringing these lawsuits. We say environmentalists. Are they national environmental groups? Are they local environmental groups? Is there any thread? Traditionally, you would have said, okay, these are, this is a very local. Pipelines are local. Pipeline issues are local. It's a not-in-my-backyard or NIMBY issue. 
But since I think Keystone, certainly after Dakota Access, you had a much stronger environmental movement from the national groups, Sierra Club, Environmental Defense Fund, um, they are all taking advantage of the success that they've had in the courts or at the local state agency level. And I think that they're just spreading that across to all sorts of other projects. It's a fascinating area, actually. Thanks so much, Brandon. That's Brandon Barnes. He's Bloomberg Intelligence Senior Litigation Analyst. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.